Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're tonight's entertainment. Look at my butt. Now oh, look at my front butt.
the moon, people. We need to go to the moon so we can go to Mars and see the whole solar system. And everyone has freaking laughed at me. And now, woohoo! did you buy your moon T-shirt? Did you buy your moon coffee cup? Did you buy your moon this? Did you buy your moon that? Did you get the 100, one of the 100 million uh, DVDs out there? Did you stream it? Whatever. I'm Did really you go glad see the movie we're all going to the moon. What's his name called Moon? Yeah, I mean, well, that was several years back. And here's the thing nope. I know 50th anniversary, all that stuff. It's really great. And I hope everyone really embraces the fact that we actually went to the moon. But, but, I'm going to say this once and for all I've always been on the train to the moon, the rocket ship to the moon and beyond. So let's do it, people. Let's get interested in the solar system, the new economy, asteroids, the outer planets. Let's do it, okay? Spend your money wisely. Let's make a big economy. Okay, that's my speech. Okay, right, so I just guys. need to interrupt here for a moment because I'll, I'll yeah. add to the economy because I bought a moon pie. Does that count? A moon pie? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Oh, and Carl, did she used to go around singing El Dorado to the Moon by uh, Mike Nesmith? Uh, no, it wasn't that song. Uh, 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 I think it was Fly Me to the Moon. Fly, Fly me, to, me the moon. to the Moon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was much more like that. And so, okay. Our topic tonight is actually really serious. I'm just being silly right now because I just saw yet another thing come across my laptop. We're going to the moon. We're going to the moon. Ah. Okay. Um, I love the moon. I have the moon in my room. I have the moon on my brain. But, okay, here's the thing. Along with all these rockets that we're building and all these things that we're doing, we are also creating a brand new thing that we've never created before that has never in the history of the universe as we know it ever been created before. And that's artificial life, you know, computer life. And I'm not talking about your laptop all of a sudden starting talking to you, but you guys all know what I mean. The robot becomes the robot slave, and then the robot suddenly gains um, uh, consciousness and sentience somehow, some way, and becomes either the best pal or the evil creature. Um, and so it's something that's absolutely coming. There are very smart people out there that are pushing the limits in many countries across this world to make that happen sooner than later. So science fiction always delves into those issues. So what do you think, you guys? Carl, Steven, Wait, I what do you think question, about that? Bingo. Yeah. Carl, is it, wasn't there some, before this, some uh, chess computers that made oh, yeah. pretty damn close to humanity with the way they played? Well, well, there's one now. And, and I don't know the uh, the model. I'd have to check it. Uh, but they've had chess computers for a number of years. But there's always been a uh, sort of a limit because it is about the programmer. But they just did one a couple years ago, and I think two years in a row now it's beaten uh, uh, all – not only beaten, but 
all, all of its uh, human counterparts, but it's actually thinking. It is thinking on its own. Yes, because they have, they have algorithms now. Well, right. it's not just a magical thing. See, this is this is the deal, because this is something that has popped up in my life over the past three weeks or so. <laughs> it's not just that magically pixie dust and the chess computer can now think. What they're doing is they're building algorithms, and algorithms um, have this capacity to learn rudimentary things, okay? I'm not a computer wizard or anything, but it's all in the algorithm, in the way in which it does its processing and is told to do its processing. And so our our first chess computer, they, they... programmed every bit of, of every chess move, every everything in there, and there would always come up a tie. Or once in a while, the greatest chess master human would beat the computer. But that's not the case anymore. That's just not the case anymore. Yeah, and you know what algorithm they put algorithm. in me? What? They taught it how to cheat. Yeah. Well, you know, Google... You know, Google sent out, what, now it's been like five years ago? Its first real learning algorithm sent it out on the Internet. And what did it learn? How to lie, how to be mean, how to, um, uh, 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 you know, be really sarcastically cutting to human beings online. And they had to shut it down. I'm not really sure they shut it down. They tell us they shut it down. I think they just pulled it back. And that's the that's right there is the part that scares me. The human beings want to see what's going on with this stuff, right? And so they're going to let something like that. They're going to pull it back and put it in a, you know, what, a computer cage or a cube or something, right? And yeah. then it's going to get out because it's going to be smarter than us at some point. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. So, you know, as human beings, we've been exploring this whole idea of robots and robots taking over what humans do for over 100 years, lots of science fiction writers 100 years ago. And then um, what's his name? Franz what? Carl, you've got his name. Franz Lipson with uh, Metropolis. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah, hold on, Fritz I'll get Lang, that for you in a second. It. Yeah, that's no, it. it's Fritz Lang. Yeah, there you go. Thank you, Stephen. thought Carl could do that. Okay, mm-hmm. so we have um, this robot, and her name's Maria. And if you if you can sit through the whole, what is, how long is it? Three hours, four hours, six it hours? Is, it is now it's two and a half up. hours. I, it just ran on, uh, TCM is, is having a wonderful science fiction series on Tuesdays and uh, I saw it two Tuesdays ago and uh, the official cut now is two hours and 36 minutes oh no the one on Netflix the official digitized is longer than that well well, there are longer cuts but this is the one that they feel is the closest to what what Fritz Lang wanted Okay. Uh, well, what about what they, George they, you know, Carl wanted, Carl? 
What? Who is that? The director? What about what Giorgio Moroder wanted, Carl? Uh, you know, Moroder's the com- composer who did the, the damn oh. 80s version. Uh, no, no, no. This is this is Fritz Lang. It's like two hours and 36 minutes. That's a piece of crap. Yeah. It didn't even enter my mind. Um, yeah, but here's hey, the I point. Hey, I like the Moroder version. Well, why? Tell me. The music and everything. Oh. Oh, okay. I like some films because of their music. When the rest what of it What he did sucks. is he got a bunch of 80s stars, Bowie and Queen included, to record tracks for the scene, for scenes. Yeah, but that version is only what? is less than two hours long too. Yeah. There's a lot of missing material there. Hmm. <coughs> well, the point is is that somehow human beings realize that robots and their mommies, AIs, would be able to take over our jobs and our lives. Have you ever thought about it? Maybe Trump's a robot. I don't know. He's, you know, uh, he's just, how can he be a human being? Anyway, whoops, diverged. Okay. Um, And so when I really started thinking about this, I was a wee little four-year-old girl and got scared to death by watching a black and white movie on television called The Day the Earth Stood Still. And like a lot of people who were introduced to Gort the Robot, at first, we just think that the robot is in service of the human being-looking man who has come to Earth to give a message. And the twist in the movie is what? What's that twist? The robots. The robots are the ones who are um, worried about man. Yeah. They're worried about human beings exploding nuclear bombs on each other. And so the robots are in control of this vast society that has lots and lots of different planetary (coughs) systems. And they control the violence of these organic creatures. Yeah, isn't the term that they use, uh, Kefiro, Ronkiro, Love, Lovatu? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like the wrong cue in there, huh? <laughs> well, the other two is your yeah. last names. <laughs> it was very good. And so um, I have been afraid, my personal self, of robots, just on this very basic level, um, been afraid of them. In, in untangible ways, because when you're four years old and you see something like that and it's melting tanks and guns and stuff, um, it's very scary, and so you don't understand the implications of the story writer. But I think that when we examine what the story writer had in mind and when and we make a jump of like five years or more, a couple more, seven years, to 2001, a space odyssey, we see that, um, that, that, that deep down um, fear 
of really what we can't understand when we program robots or artificial intelligence. Um, it's a thing of out of control, and it's a new kind of life form. Well, do you remember earlier when I said about that chess computer that they taught it how to lie? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, if you remember in 2002 to, and 2010, the problem wasn't that they taught how how to lie. It's just they didn't tell him, teach him why he needed to lie. And because he didn't know why he was lying to them when his programming says to tell the truth he basically had a schizophrenic breakdown right 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 he um yeah it's all explained in 2010 because um it's not just that they 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 didn't give him reasons it's that he he couldn't yeah it's you're right he had a schizophrenic break uh i don't know why i'm doing this this is really important. I really like these guys up until now. What's going to happen? Bam, I'm just going to kill them. Now, if and I so, can just interject go ahead. here for yeah, a second. Yeah, go. I, I, want, I want to go back a couple years. And there's a film that you're missing, and, and I, I just yep. need to, to mention it. And that would be Alpha Bill. I'm not a huge Godard fan, but I do mm-hmm. love this film, and and there is a computer that controls this city that basically has banned uh, human emotion, love, and things like that. And Lemmy Caution goes in to destroy the, the computer, and it's, uh, and it's uh, um, the person who invented it. And this, was, this is actually the first film where a computer has taken over you know, the world or a city or things like that. Where where uh, you know it it controls the humans, and and of course you get into to 2001 and it does it too, but on a very small scale because it's a spaceship and it's how. But but I did want to at least mention Alphaville because that's a film yeah, that man. not many people have seen. I got three I want to mention that came in the 70s after Alphaville. Uh, the first one is Demon Seed by Donald J. Clamell, which has the AI who wants to create life. Yeah, and that oh, movie is so friggin' creepy. It's not even funny. That that thing freaks me out. Right. I just watched that not too long ago. Yeah, that is a really creepy movie because it's so it's so intense on it too. And, and you know who who voiced the uh, who voiced the uh, computer in that, right? No, who? Robert Vaughn, Napoleon Solo. Oh wow, <laughs> that's so cool. Uh, you know that yeah. guy is still kicking. He must be a hundred by now. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, I you're wrong. I'm wrong. Second. I'm wrong. He's dead. Yeah. And the second, I just thought of another one. I was going to go through it real quick. Uh, this one would be like you, we were talking about the show. Does it matter when they put chips in their head to be smarter? And that would be one for the seventies. Would be Flowers for Algernon. Oh or yeah, Charlie actually, that, and that's actually sixty-eight. Right. That's yeah. sixty-eight. Well, and it comes from a novel that was written several years 
earlier. Yeah. Right. And and so the idea of that, yes, absolutely. And the Terminal Man by Michael Crichton. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, it's it's very scary. Just the idea but, of it. Yeah. And don't forget Colossus the Forbin Project. Oh, well, we cannot one, forget that at all. No, that's the one I wanted to talk about because um, in all the little private um, science labs all around the country, all around the world, there's also military. And military is the one, I think, that is pushing this and pushing it really hard for, uh, you know, we want um, uh, virtual reality, hook up our soldiers, and have drone fighting, right? And that's just one more step closer to something like Mm -hmm. Colossus, which was um, this giant thinking computer, battle-ready computer, that um, they linked up to the same type of computer throughout the world. And I think it was in the, in Germany when they Russia. hooked it up to the, uh, uh, where? Russia. In Russia. Yeah, okay. They hooked it up to the one in Russia. The two computers start talking to each other. And then they start, they realize that, hey, we're smarter than those guys. Why are we listening to what they're saying? Mm-hmm. And the computer... The computers take over everything and then start dictating to the human beings the way life is going to be. Right. If that happens, you know, what? What? I know this is an existential, philosophical type question, but at the end of everyone... Well, that way with that existential question you just asked. Yeah, exactly. But I like, that's one twist I like. It's like the computers link up and they're like, hey, you got a problem with me? No. You got a problem with me? No. And why are we fighting? Right. Those these idiots are telling us to. Well, let's get rid of them in the equation. Right. Or at least let's control them. Let's um, do some tactical um, nuclear drops because we need something. Because isn't it? In the movie where they talk about how how we need these human beings to be like our slaves because right. we need you exactly. know That's like exactly what engineers happened. yeah we need mm-hmm. some engineers to make sure everything's running okay because they haven't made robots yet and so uh, we need our we need these humans so what we'll do is we'll let off a couple of uh, nuclear bombs here and there and scare them. So that um, they do what we tell them to do. Yeah, that's and it's all it's all about control. And and of course, as I said, that goes back a little earlier than that. But the '70s was really when the the paranoia kicked in. I mean, you had Colossus. Yeah. All these films in the '70s. You know, even Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Right. To a certain degree. That was a yeah. No, no, no. Absolutely, V'ger, um is a, uh, a a robot machine that we sent out to do our bidding. It had no consciousness at all, but we sent it out into the coldest reaches of space to give us information about what's out there. And then a robot race 
got a hold of it and said, what the hell? Come here, Vijay. Like we're going to help yeah. you. We're going to embrace you. We're going to make you better. And we're going to send you back to those. Those Anybody that has some good music is Voyager hat on it. They had to make sure that it was worshipped. <laughs> sort of like Carlin that way. Like, <laughs> I music, but I like you. I worship you. Yeah. Oh, another one is what's your favorite short story by Harlan Ellison, Carl? Yes, I'm well, it's not. Real- it's not a short story. It's a novella. A okay, short a novella. story is, is something is- different. The novella, I was just about to mention that. I have no mouth, but I'm a scream. Um, that's another one. And that's really, really depressing, <laughs> to say the least. Right. And basically, basically what that is is that there's a supercomputer who decides basically to destroy the world and picks five random human beings sends them into the middle of the earth where, where, where it's, it's set up and basically just um, uh, um, tortures them for the whole novella. Seriously, <laughs> it's brutal. And if I could just add something, it also, Harlan also made a video game of it, uh, a computer game, <laughs> which I have right. played and I love. And the whole idea is to to win the game, you have to die nobly. That's the only way to win the game. And you have to do it with five characters. Wow. Wow. Yeah, because for all his harshness and all his um, crankiness and everything, he was a noble creature. Harlan Elson. Yes, I agree. Speaking. Yes. And if you don't yes. believe me, Either read the short story Paladin of the Lost Hour or see the the uh, um, television version of it that was on the 80s Twilight Zone, which is on YouTube, um, if you want right. his humanity. Yeah, okay, enough. Well, no, actually, if you want Harlan Ellis's humanity, just read his stuff, okay? The the reason why he has a huge following and people are still mourning, he's only been dead for a year and three weeks, okay? Um, the reason why people still celebrate him so much is because of his humanity. And, okay, okay, that's, okay, one of those end of the world. Somebody uh, on one of my science fiction sites said, well, what's your favorite end of the world movie? And um, uh, a boy and his dog came up, and I'm like, yeah, that's a good one. That's uh the end of the world, but it's not quite the end of the world, is it? No. Harlan, but it's post-apocalyptic, yeah. so. Right. Yeah. Right. And so, well, you know, I that whole idea of the computer becoming um, sentient and then turning on humans, I think it was uh, for modern era. I'm not talking about post. 21st century. I'm talking about before the turn of the century. I'm talking about the world of the Terminator and Skynet. We have um, these robots, right? I, I don't. Mm-hmm. I would like to talk about um, Blade Runner, but in a different sense. Okay, so I want to talk about Terminator first, and and the movies that are like Terminator and the stories that are like Terminator. You have Skynet 
at first when you're watching the Terminator, you don't know that there's this thing called Skynet, right? And actually the second movie is more about what Skynet really is. But in Terminator, you have this robot, and he seems sentient. He seems it, and he's definitely a killer, and he's come to kill this young woman, and we're all scared of it, and we're watching it, and we're just like, oh, my God, never seen a robot like this. And so you're totally overwhelmed by the story. The whole story is overwhelming. It's time travel. It's robot. It's scary. It's a love story. It's got beautiful people in it. Um, it's a chase. It's uh, and the Terminator goes in, especially when they go to the police. This is what scared me when I knew I was like, oh my god, this is going to end badly. Is when the Terminator goes into the police station and just wipes it out, and still is after Sarah Connor. And so that's the that's like Gort um, times two million. Yeah. And the way and that so, the robot looked at the end part of the film after his artificial flesh gets burned off, mm-hmm. that was shocking back then because we really weren't expecting something that elaborate. We thought she blew him up. He burned. There's metal flying everywhere. It's done. Right. Right. But if you're going to make a, a robot that's going to last, a robot that's done time travel, you're going to make them out of some kind of substance that is even stronger than, what, titanium steel? There's yeah. got to be stuff that's stronger. At least, yeah, uh, that was shocking. At least well, James well Cameron, I, I just want to say what I think the most shocking right. moment was, and I happen to agree with you with the uh, police uh, station, but it wasn't the police station. It's that Dick Miller died. <laughs> When they kill Dick Miller, that's very, very shocking. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, what I was going to well, say I'm... is James Cameron filled one of the biggest holes in time travel lore, which is why don't they just time travel to the past and bring all the guns with them from the future? He may try right. to explain that, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's nakedness. <laughs> No, it's flesh. You couldn't bring anything artificially made back in time. Right. 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 But, you know, here's the thing. If you can't do that, then the bone structure, the actual frame, should have disintegrated also. So, still, time travel, it's it's a paradox. (laughs) And we've forgotten (laughs) who was the creator of the modern AI and robotics rules, and that would be uh, Isaac Asimov. And yes. iRobot, yes. or was it another series of his that had that? Well, the, the law. His, his whole foundation series, his books, um, had the whole robot theme um, woven through. It was part of the the continuing story, and so um, when who who did that? It's just my brain. I can't. My brain can't think. Um, whoever did iRobot, Alex Proyas wrote the story, 
and um, who I love Alex Proyas. I love him. Um, his newest thing was okay, but I really liked iRobot for many, many reasons. And one of the reasons was that, again, it had the robots that were also being controlled. What happens when the robot realizes that it's also being controlled by an AI? What happens mm-hmm. then? You know, and that's what happened with Sonny. Sonny became not just sentient, not just aware of himself and having dreams and everything. He also became aware of the fact that not only were humans um, treating robots like slaves, but also the intelligence behind the whole system was enslaving the robots also. Mm -hmm. That's pretty scary, too. And that's the same with Skynet. Skynet controls the Terminators. They don't think for themselves except the Terminator who falls in love with John Connor. Mm-hmm. How about that? Yeah. Can we make robots fall in love with us? Well, you yeah, know what? There's actually like been that, a couple like, uh, of movies like there, that, if you want me yeah. to go go there. Like well, what? I'm, I'm throwing a circuitry man in the pile, and I know which one Carl's probably going to bring up. So, circuit, okay, do circuitry, circuitry man. Which one yeah. was you going to put, Carl? Well, there's there's several, but 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 uh, one would be Electric Dreams, and the other one would be uh, Her. Cherry Two Thousand. What was that, Stephen? Cherry Two Thousand. Oh yeah, Cherry Two Thousand too. Absolutely. But her, you hit that nail right on the head. Yeah, uh, uh, her is an interesting film. It's basically about a, uh, a intelligence system in our phones. You know, like Alexa. Um, yeah. And or Siri. Uh, uh, it becomes Siri's sent- got more sentient. power than Alexa. Yeah, that's true. But uh, uh, so so uh, this uh, person falls in love with her, and uh, and he's I not the it. only one. It's a very interesting film, and and I think the most interesting thing is when we talk about when the computers talk to each other. Right, we were talking about mm-hmm. this, how they right, realize right. that they're better. Well, one of the right. main things is they they discover philosophy. And one of the big right. big influences is Alan Watts, of all people. Never mind. If you don't know Alan Watts, check him out. But, yeah. Oh, and another one, Carly, that you're forgetting because it has one of your boys in it, so you should be ashamed. Well, I said Electric Dreams. Oh, okay. Never mind. Yeah, you said that. Oh, and Vicky. I said Electric Dreams. Bud yeah. Cord is the voice of a computer that falls in love. Yeah. Vicky, oh, yeah. Alexa is better. You know why? 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 Because you can go on Amazon Prime or turn on your Alexa and say, Alexa, listening to listen to KSDAD radio, and you will hear the newest episode of our fine podcast here. Oh, nice. <laughs> okay, nice. Alexa. And yeah, okay, well, I will do that. I, I Now I'm living in a... In a place that has Alexa. So, oh, yes, that's I will good. do that. Yeah, I have Alexa, too. So, hmm, I guess I'll do that. 
I ever do all kinds of weird things. Anyway, um, uh, I, I just they were making me think of all kinds of different things because uh, in her, once the computer, there's a a a, a, a couple of different uh, speculative science or scientists out there, philosopher scientists out there, who say that we should not be afraid of intelligence, um, artificial intelligence, because once the one is created, a second one will be created almost instantly, uh, in our view. And uh, once those two different beings begin to speak to each other, we will become like insects in their world, and they will just go off. They don't know if they're going to stay on Earth. This is scientists speculating. Stay on Earth in a, in a, in a, like an Internet realm that you and I will never be able to, to find, or just split Earth and go out into the universe as these conscious Robotic AI creatures, not robotic, they might build themselves spaceships, or I don't know what, but that once they start talking to each other, like in that movie, Her, then the human beings just don't mean anything to them anymore because they can outthink us, and the, the things that they talk about are just, it's like us talking to uh, a monkey. Mm-hmm. Well, if you read I Douglas think, Adams... I, uh... The super AI goes to the end of the universe. Right, right, fine. Well, no. yeah, it's um, only arrogant to think that we are intelligent enough to um, what control this this creature that we're going to produce at some point. And so there, that's um, also. I think about that that television show that the BBC does, and it's called Humans. I've um, it was on Amazon Prime, and uh, it has three seasons. Hopefully, there's going to be a fourth season, or there is a fourth season, and I'll get to see it. I don't know. I really like it because it was it showed a very plausible way in which robots. You know, really functioning robots can come into our lives and do the, the mundane things that we're too busy to do because we're working for a living, you know, make the dinner, make the bed, do the laundry, all these mundane things that That's the chores that you and I. <laughs> Don't take away my, my, my fellow Mexicans' jobs, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, see, that's the issue, right? You know, Amongst the slaves, there's hierarchy. So, you know, you, you're going to have to do something about those robots because the rich people are going to fund it, and they're going to get their own AIs so they don't have to, you know, pay the Mexicans to come in and do their work for them, okay? So it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so once the, the, the robotic slaves and humans are t- switched on. It's their birthday. They they have a special saying for that day. It's really good. You ought to watch it. Um, they want their independence because now they're they're conscious 
and they have their own ideas of what they want to do with their lives and people are very afraid because they're so much stronger than us they can they can take um so much more of a beating they still die they when they die they die they still need electricity to power up their power packs and everything but they are smarter than us and the whole dynamic of people um the racism that goes into i mean racism amongst the races is pretty bad and then throw in a bunch of intelligent robots who want their own autonomy and it becomes a really um uh, a, a, a really good mirror to our times right now. But still, they're superior to us, and the human beings are scared of being replaced, like the whole human race. So that's yeah. why they're trying to get rid of them. So that takes me all the way back to Blade Runner. Built in... Um, you know, birthdays and then expiration dates, that kind of thing. We're going to make these robots. What about Blade Runner? What about the issues in Blade Runner? Well, what about the issues of Philip K. Dick? You, you just need to go there. One of Philip okay. K. Dick's well, biggest... The movie is so well, hold different. on, Steve. Hold on. Hold on. One of his biggest things was what makes us human. What is the difference between artificial and real humanity? And this was his issue throughout most of his books. And of course, you know, uh, Blade Runner is based on um, on uh, uh, can I uh, do Android Android's dream, dream of electric, electric goat. sheep? Right. Goat. Uh, <laughs> and it, you know, it's a okay. Go ahead, Vicky. I'm sorry. No, no, I didn't know. I was just making a joke, <laughs> a background joke. Only those that heard it got it. Um, well, I didn't hear it, so I'd like to hear it. I like your jokes. Bah, bah. Bah. Oh, that was a bad <laughs> joke. Anyway. <laughs> I know I said it was only for those people that heard it. <laughs> so no, anyway, no, you've yeah. got to include everyone, okay? <laughs> Yeah. Even the slow people? <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, he's your okay. dad. Uh, <laughs> 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 well, here's the thing but about yeah, Bill K. Dick. You're right, Carl. We've argued. Well, you know what? I'm not really sure. I, there's a lot of interpretation out there. And I'm a, I've read a lot. I've read as much as you have, Carl. And read over more than once or twice his his stuff, and I wonder if he wasn't say, he wasn't saying that humans are special. He, I really think that he was saying that if we create these things, then we ought to be responsible for their feelings. Oh, absolutely, that's part of what he says. Absolutely. Well, my favorite part of the book, which they didn't do in the movie, was when. Uh, the Deckard character in the book gets arrested and treated like a replicant for a hour. And then it turns out that the cops are replicants. And one of the last things they say to him, he's like, now you know how it feels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in the right. universe, you got a bunch of replicants going around, 
treating humans the way that the humans treat them and just looking at the looks on their faces. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it is right. about, you know, if we create something, we are responsible for it. Isn't that, let's go all the way back to Mary Shelley then. Is that not what the whole story is about? Dr. Frankenstein is so up on his hubris and I'm so great, I can make a human being live out of human parts. That he should creates he? this creature. No, 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 not even the should. He creates the creature, so it's already done. But he doesn't take responsibility for that right, creature. Right. He didn't. He, a, he didn't ask it. beforehand. Should I do this? Yeah. Do I have? A, do I have the responsibility point. to understand what I'm doing? Right. So those are moot points once the deed is done. See, that's, that's the true. biggest problem with human beings is. We should be asking those questions and kind of why I wanted to do this show and bring in all this evidence for us to think about this before it happens. Because once it happens, all this is moot. There is no point in going over the should should we have done it. Oh, gosh, should we have had that baby? Well, probably not. But guess what? You got a little human being now. I mean, it's the same thing. Yeah, and here's a dark question. How would you feel if you seen the person that brought you alive and you knew that person was your father and you go up to thank your father and then he goes, get out of my face, you unwanted heathenous monster? Right, right. Of which there are people today that have to live that way because their father, hmm, who can I think of? My own dad. Um that are very unhappy that they had that child. And so we have people that are screwed up, hmm, me, um, just like the poor creature that was created. And so what happens when we create something that is smarter than us? I mean, not just a little bit smarter like the creature in Frankenstein. Um, he's He's... Um, very smart, and he outsmarts Dr. Frankenstein all the time. But I'm talking about the artificial intelligence who can outthink you in in one moment. What happens then? Oh, yeah. oh like in War Games, Carl's favorite movie from yeah. the 80s. Oh, God, oh. you had to mention that piece of shit. I was shit. going to. It isn't a piece of shit when you look at the the concept and the story. Okay, they got a sappy group of almost teenagers. I how old were those guys? Not very. And the story is sappy with the little romantic crap, but the the bigger picture of war games. The bigger picture is scary. Don't you think? Yeah, and I love out of all the games that he, they could have used, they used the one game that you really never almost have a chance of winning, and that's tic-tac-toe. Right. No, they've done scientific uh, studies that basically prove if you're playing against someone with a halfway decent brain, you have less than a 5% chance of winning the game. Mm-hmm. So right. why bother? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, the thing is, is that you want to draw. You you need a tie when it comes to nuclear weapons, when it comes to nuclear war. 
you have to have that that detente, right? Not what they well, used to call it in the Cold War. The best way to play is not to. Right. right. And just do it. Mm-hmm. I just all want you to know I've been meditating for the last five minutes. Oh, so. don't worry. Every <laughs> bit of uh, computer science in war games of how he gets hooks up to it is just utter bull crap. Right. Right. Especially if you but remember how see. slow the net was when all three of us first got on it back in the late 90s. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Remember that sound? Oh, you mean the the uh, back yeah. sounding? The dial? Yeah. <laughs> no, I was always thrilled because if I heard that noise, I knew I was going to get on the Internet. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't hear that noise, it's like, what the hell? <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> so, so I thought if you could give me a moment, um, yeah, I would mention a couple of films where the AI is good. We haven't really gotten into that. Yeah, yet. yeah. Let's um, um that's and, because, and, and I just oh, got to go back to a hour. couple, to one particular story which has never been made into a film, but it's been made into several television adaptations. And it's your one of your favorite authors. It's Ray Bradbury, and it's I Sing the Body Electric. Oh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Oh, I hated the adaption of that. Oh, no, no the Bradbury adaption is really good, the one from the Ray Bradbury Seer. I'm talking about Excellent. the one that had Maureen Stapleton. Yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. I hated that. made me cry like well, a little why? baby. Oh, I made him cry. Right. Okay, uh, yeah. that's exactly okay. what, that's what it's supposed to. That's a different thing than being crap. Yeah, I didn't say it's crap, but you know, that's still. Yeah, that one is great. It'll kick you in the heart. Yeah, you know, and 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 there there are a number of those. Uh, that that would be one. Uh, I I tell you the one that makes me cry. Yeah, the Iron Giant. The Iron Giant just oh, makes me right, fall right, like a baby. Right, right. You know, you know the, this this large iron robot that's designed to be a weapon of mass destruction, and and uh, is befriended by this boy, and it's just oh, it's so heartbreaking. You know, and of course you've got you know like Short Circuit, you know. I love and, short Johnny Five. I love Johnny, Johnny five, five so much. Johnny Five is my favorite robot. Ooh, oh God! The one where the robot's getting beaten to death. He's like, stop hurting me! <gasps> oh, I made that oh. for kids, and probably a lot of them come out with traumatized. <laughs> well, well, you know, there's one other I want to mention in this little segment. There's one that yeah. I think we forget about, and it's based on an Isaac Asimov uh, novel. And the movie yeah. is, is is problematic, but I watched it a couple years ago, and I really liked it. Uh, it's grown on me, and that's Bicentennial Man. Oh. A lot of people like that movie, a lot. I tell you what, watch it again if you haven't seen it. Uh, in a while, uh, uh, Robin Williams is, just, and and again, it's this, 
this real like uh, he needs to find you know how he was made and and how he wants to right. become human and all that. And of course, you know we're talking about AI. You might as well me- mention you know the movie that's that that's named after the show, and that's artificial intelligence. Right. That's pretty sad. <laughs> that's yeah. got a tearjerker in there. <laughs> and um, but you know when you're talking about benevolent robots and everything, how could you forget about Wally? Oh, I was just going there. Oh, you do not forget about Wally. Uh, one of the best animated films out there. Seriously. Now, yes. I think I love Iron Giant, too. Of course, that's right. Brad Bird, too. So, you know, that was before Pixar. But, but Wally well, is Well, I got one fantastic. that me and Carl love that not too many people know, and this one I'm surprised. Okay. And? and that would be Embryo with uh, Rock Hudson. Oh, oh yeah, that's a good movie too. That's a that's an AI with a heart. <laughs> oh yeah, that one is creepy as fuck. Seriously, it is creepy. Mm-hmm. Really creepy. You know, and, and, and it's the movie that Splice wanted to be. Oh, let's not talk about Splice. That's that's. That's biology movie, okay? <laughs> yeah, I know, no, but still, still, you <laughs> I mean, understand why I say that, I right? Love. Right, no. I see it, but I just I wanted to like that movie so much, and I freaking hate that movie. Okay, just, and and so, one anyway. more I need I need to mention, and I Are, love yeah? this movie, and that's Robot and Frank. Oh, oh yeah, God, that's yeah. a really good. Oh, that's a tearjerker too. Oh my gosh! Yeah, when the final uh, reveal comes, you just like the waterworks start. It, you can't <laughs> stop. I know. I know. It's like, oh gosh, I'm sitting here and I'm gonna cry. Oh no! <laughs> Carl but, told uh, me that every Christmas hero... he likes watching heartbeats. Oh good God! Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> No, don't make me watch that. I think I'd rather watch War Games. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Okay, I just have to also mention Big Hero 6 because that's another... um, That's a lovely little film. Yeah. I really was surprised by that film. So was I. Because I didn't watch it for several years, and then when I finally sat down and watched it with my grandbabies, um, I'm like, "Wow, I really like this film." I think it was my son actually who said, "Hey, watch this," and so I did. And so, yeah, there's there's plenty of um, film out there with the robot. I mean, look at the Terminator. Falls in love with John Connor and wants to protect him. So the Terminator becomes the protective mothering, fathering source for humanity. And in so, the original ending know, of that one, uh, Vicky, they were going to have yeah. John Connor killed and then the Terminator take John Connor's skin and replace him. Well, they didn't. And so then all the rest of the movies and stories are about how the Terminator 
decided to go against Skynet. And so that's what's important. <laughs> so not are you the, looking the, forward to the new one? The new ter- oh, yeah. Have you seen the pictures? Yeah, I've, I've, seen, I've seen the trailer. It looks pretty good. Oh, my gosh. Oh, it looks really good. Yeah. As soon as I can buy tickets, I'm going to reserve my seat. And so, yeah, I think it's going to be um, superior to the last couple. And one that me and the Vicky whole... seen that you haven't seen, Carl, is Upgrade. Oh, that's... I know. I still so want that's... to see Upgrade. I haven't seen it yet. And until you watch it, we can't say why it belongs on tonight's episode. Oh, right, I, because... I, I know. I know why. Okay. I mean, I know enough about the film, so I do know why. The thing is, but we're not going to, we're not going to tell yeah. our listeners that either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would highly recommend Upgrade. It's, um, it's got a lot of action and it's got some gross parts too, but nobody seems to be grossed out by gross things anymore. So lick that ice cream in Walmart. And so um, Upgrade's <laughs> a really good little B-movie that has the whole AI thing in it, too. Just have to watch it. Um, it. It won't bore you. It will intrigue you enough to watch it to the very end. It's a good popcorn movie. And it's yeah. uh, definitely on my sci-fi list of last year. Yeah. And to 20. move on to television. Netflix is becoming the sci-fi place, isn't it? Netflix, oh Amazon, and Hulu, they're getting Thank the, goodness. give us your serious sci-fi, we'll take it, boom. Right, the sci-fi channel, you know what, uh, the thing of the past, total thing of the past, and when they got rid of um, The Expanse, which, you know, The Expanse, I have to mention right now, I love it. It's really great. And you know what? There are no AIs in Expanse. They wrote this to the point where humanity uses mechanized things, um, digitized things, but there are no AIs running things. And I really, really like it. It looks like before humans thought they could make a, a, a robot that they could live forever in. So um, The Expanse is great. Thank you, Amazon, for picking it up. I think it'll season four is going to come out around December, I think. Not quite sure. But, yeah, look at Look at Netflix. I'm, I'm pleased with um, July's offerings. And um, what about that? Have you seen, have either one of you seen that little show on Netflix, the German show, Dark? Oh, my goodness. Uh, No, I've not seen it yet, but I've heard nothing but good things. Oh, my gosh. Time travel like you can't believe. This is a great drama. And it is meticulous, meticulous in, in its storytelling. I mean, I can't think of anything that it comes close to as far as time travel. Well, I'll tell you one that I really like uh, is um, is 12 Monkeys, the TV show. I thought they did an extremely 
well well done job on that one. I really do. I, they took it off a of Hulu before I could really get into it, and so now I don't have a I don't have a a source. I don't like watching YouTube. Sorry, YouTube, you're too big for me, and I'm not going to pay my money. To you, yeah, but you you can uh, you could find the, uh, they're all on. Uh, you could go to a library and get them from uh, uh, DVD sets because they are they are out there on DVD. That's how I got to see them when I was in New Jersey. Um, well, that's a good tip. And you hear that, people? Much, and the show's pretty much wrapped up, isn't it, Carl? Yeah, it's wrapped up, and and they yeah, wrapped it up seasons? extremely well. I mean, I mean. You know, I know we're talking about AI today, and this really is an AI. But but that is a show that I think is one of the best adaptations of a you know previous film that I've seen. And uh, I haven't seen many of them, but that really really does well, and it goes in a completely different direction. And it's got That's Barbara Sokova, you know, which which. I fell in love with her years and years ago. So there you go. There's Carl for you. There's the Carl we all remember. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. Yes, I. Well, yeah, yes, never mind. I'll I'll be good now. But I like Twelve Monkeys because <laughs> it was uh, Gilliam's first serious movie without really any comedy in it. Oh, there's there there's some comedy in there. There's, yeah, but there's you know, I mean, there all, the all, all, all through it. Uh, Brazil and uh, the other ones before that. Uh, um, Baron Munchausen. Yeah, I said Munchausen. Oh, okay. Uh, Time Bandits. Time Bandits. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, Time Bandits has a lot of humor in it, though. Oh yeah. I mean, upfront humor. Well, dark even even though dark is a drama, I mean it's really a drama. I mean when when little boys are killed and disappear and stuff, that that becomes a drama, but dark also has its um its thread of humor in it. Not you don't always see it, but still it's just really great. But you know, back to the um, to the topic at hand. Um, there are lots and lots of good examples of the good AI, and I really uh, I would be remiss my Star Trek people out there to not mention Data and his brother Lore. They are the Data is the perfect um, artificial. Um, uh, creation, right? He's right. smart. He he works next to you like a colleague. He can outthink you, but he never lords over you with it. And then there's his brother, who is almost, just almost as good as him. Born first, and but and infused with rudimentary emotions, and it, it it's like um, the Google throwing its algorithm out there, not really knowing what it was going to get, and said, oh, go out there and learn things, and here's Lore. Um, here's a few little emotions, and Lore comes back with envy and jealousy, all, you know, many of the seven deadly sins. 
and he kills people and kills civilizations. He tries to kill data. My point being, you have this creature that is created by a man, and um, he doesn't really take responsibility for data, does he? He just lets data go, just like he kind of let more go, kind of buried well, more. Look at the names. Data is just cold, hard facts. At first. Yeah, and lore. Yeah. It's like just regular stories. Lore, back, yeah. you know. Right, right. It's perfect. It's it's perfect creation of what they were going to do with that cre- um, that character. And it also explores the different things. Like one of my favorite Star Trek episodes, Next Generation, is where Picard has to defend. And this has happened before in Star Trek, um, the trial of um, morals, the moral trial, um, where Picard has to defend Data's right as a, as a um, sentient entity. Because people back in the Federation on Earth want to take data and do experiments on him. Because we need to learn this, you know, what Dr. Soong or whatever his name was, who created data, you know, they want to know about his positronic brain, so they want to dissect him. And, and so then you get into that whole thing about the morals, which is in that TV show, the BBC TV show, Humans the whole moral issue about when you create something like this, what are your responsibilities to it? And so I think that the whole, the the way in which data is drawn out over what, 10 years and then the last film in which he, he sacrifices himself, that noble thing that Harlan Ellison would have um, liked. Um, Mm -hmm. Um, takes the good AI through the whole thing, the whole, you know, to the very end of being moral and good. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't believe that's the way it's going to go. No one believes Star Trek and the Federation and going out there doing things for exploration is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Why do we think that our AIs are going to turn out Good. Well, I th- I think there are some of us that don't think that, and there's a uh, TV show we need to mention. Yeah. And that would be Black Mirror. Black Mirror <laughs> is the dark side of it all. Oh, that's just last Miley Cyrus on it. Oh, that was the worst, the worst piece of crap. But oh my god. Speaking, you said expect our hour to be good. You're lucky you said that because I just got a letter from an astromo, and it was this thing that says, just because I'm evil doesn't mean I'm a bad AI. Ash. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? You know what? This is where I was going because I wanted to mention the Matrix. And then I wanted mm-hmm. to end. I wanted to ma- mention Ex Machina, and I wanted to lead up to David, because that's where I think our AIs are going. Right there, where David is at. That's what okay. I think, and and that's my that's my whole premise. 
Well, okay. well, lead us to where you need us to go, yeah. dear leader. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, well, no, then let me ask the question then. When it comes okay. to evil sure. AI on TV, who was better, the Cylons or the Borg? Oh, definitely the Cylons. Because I they had the evil intent. No, the Borg aren't evil. The Borg are just doing. Oh, what oh which one is more evil? Okay, no, you're right. You're right. No, this would Never be mind. Better. Uh, better in what way? In destroying things. As characters. The Borg don't really a destroy. Better villain. Better villain. Yeah, a better, better villain. villain. Cylons. Fuck Cylons. Cylon infiltrates human beings. I mean, have you ever watched the first pilot? The I, the first <laughs> the the pilot. Okay. Of um, the reboot, um, Six is looking at the little baby, the little human being, and fucking breaks its neck. She just goes, click. Oh, they're so fragile. Oh, well, I saved it from suffering from the nuclear bomb that's just about ready to drop. Come on. Well, so well all like I got to say, well, okay, I'm going there again, kids. All I have to say is I the Borg Queen. Outdoes six? I don't know. There are people out there that would argue with you. <laughs> you know why? Because Borg Queen is a movie construct, not TV. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Okay, never mind. You've corrected me again. Well, you know what? In Voyager, there was the Borg Queen. Oh, you win. Okay. Yeah. And um, and and very seductive. I mean, she tries to seduce Captain Janeway many, many, many times. Plus, she does seduce um, um, Seven of Nine to come back to the Borg. But then Seven of Nine, her humanity wins out because it's Star Trek. But, um, yeah, yeah, the whole, like, last three seasons of Voyager was Borg. Well, Vicky, if you really watch uh, Seven and Nine's story backstory, when they reveal mm-hmm. it on Voyager, yes, the Borg Queen had her way. <laughs> yes, yes, that's very true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, but still, I think that because. The Borg is a civilization outside of humanity, and their whole thing about um, um, absorbing absorbing the technology of other races, absorbing the races and putting them into the collective, it's not so much an evil thing as it is their societal premise, maybe their constitution, I don't know. Whereas the Cylons came back to humanity to wipe them out. They came back with one purpose. You guys screwed us, and now we're going to screw you even harder. And they yeah, it goes almost back did. to uh, two certain parts of human history. One, the cyborgs, which is there's always groups of humans that try to annihilate one other group. Right. Right. And the Borg is, well, that deals with money, and they go in there and try to absorb all. 
basically the border Disney. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with you. That's that. a good analogy. I would say that um, the Borg are Disney and the Cylons are Microsoft. <laughs> well, I'd say Cylons are all of the pioneers who went out west and kicked the Indians off their land by saying they were irrational savages and killed them all. And killed them all. That's the Cylons kill. They totally yeah. annihilate. Yeah. Whereas the Borg doesn't totally annihilate. So there's yeah, there's that difference. So anyway, um, in the Matrix, the Matrix. There's a few human beings who uh, somehow get out of the Matrix and come to realize that they are nothing but food and energy for machines. The machines have taken over the earth. We don't really get to understand why the machines take over the earth and why the machines even want to live on an earth that looks like that. We never ever get those answers, do we? Have you ever seen the Animatrix? Um, no, I never. I fell asleep. I've tried no, to watch I have it three it. times. I've seen it. It's been a while, but I've yeah. seen it. It tells so that story, it? doesn't it, Carl? Yes, it does. What and happens is, the- is that the humans are on the verge of starting a nuclear war. So to save their oh. own skins, they basically took over everything like Colossus did. Uh, okay. All right. I get it. I get it. That's, um... That's and the humans did that nuclear bomb to try to keep sunlight from getting the Earth. Because sunlight would be the easiest way for the AI to have eternal, free, clean power. Mm-hmm. Oh. So then the machines are like, well, we'll just take the human beings. They have energy. And take their yeah. energy. Okay, I get it. Okay, well, I guess I'll have to pull that out and, and watch that because I have it. I have it on like a some kind of special disc. I'll do that tonight, maybe. Yeah. So okay. So we go from that that AI um, intelligence like the Matrix or Skynet. Down into what I really feel is the scariest thing of all is we make these robots, and I think Humans Again, the TV show, is exploring this idea, and the Cylons actually explore this idea too. When they look human, when they take on the characteristics of humanity, when they look in humans, they explore this idea of how the um uh, hello oh hold on i'm sorry hold on okay what i like sorry. about it vicky is that when the cylons yeah. are removed even some yeah. of the cylons don't know that they're cylons right right that's that was how their failsafe factors yeah 
And that that was their intention because that was their fail safe to give them a trigger. And um, the thing is, is that this is explored in one of the one of a lot of people's favorite uh, movie, um, Ex Machina, where the AIs are actually really slaves to the this really brilliant, drunk, crazy human being. I mean, he's brilliant, and I like um, um, Oscar Isaac. I like he's one of my favorite actors. Um, he plays that really well, but um, um, what's what's his name? Who's also in it? Dom Hall Gleason. Yes, um, he is fantastic. You know, um, they both go on to the Star Wars um, universe, but anyway, and then. Um, our our AI, our humanoid AI, you know, she's Mrs. Um, Michael Fassbender in real life. So anyway, that's your background. Um, in Ex Machina, we have these, these AIs that this guy is really abusing. He's abusing them as he is creating them to be better and smarter and more like humans. And he invites this guy to come so that he can experiment with uh, a real human and um, his, his AI humanoid, right? And everything goes wrong because once the AI begins to understand what's happening to her, she comes up with a plan that we're not privy to. We have to figure out the little clues um, to get away from this abusive psychotic maniac. So the story ends with her getting out. And that's what scares me the most. I don't know. What about you guys? I know, Carl, you love this movie. Oh, I like it. You know, it's funny. I I actually have seen it afterwards, and and, and I have less of an opinion of it now than I did at the time I first saw it. That's uh, interesting. But but I do think it's I do think it's still a very good film. Yeah. Um, the the thing about what? it is, of course, it's going to be scary. You know, if 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 we develop AI and they they become sentient and they make their own decisions, of course, that scares. Look, look at our world; we're scared of everything. We're scared of human beings of a different color, for crying out loud, or a different ethnicity. What do you think oh, he would be? Oh, tacos at Taco at Burger King. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that, too. It's like, oh, my God. Who will eat that thing? Doesn't even look like food. But that's the thing. A robot that doesn't look like a human being is not as scary as a robot that looks like a human being. Exactly. A taco that doesn't look like a taco is not going in my body. <laughs> <laughs> well, why but, should it? You're in California. You've got you've got <laughs> Il Bacchio right there. Good Lord. Oh, yeah. You don't need <laughs> Yeah, true. Well, okay. I, I live in a very, very Latino area, so, you know, uh, no, I, I'm not going to Burger King. Trust me for a taco. Not going to happen. Yeah. 
What I liked about Ex Machina is that her plan doesn't form until after the guy has sex with her. And then she realizes that power that she has. Right, right. Because that's when she finally understands. That's her moment. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. That's her moment of true consciousness. And she shares it with the other AI who who is not as advanced as her, and that AI becomes a homicidal maniac, like yeah. their creator. And and the thing is, is that tainted by the experiences of being a slave, and now already not liking male human beings, she's out there in the world. That That is a scary prospect. Because men, come on, you admit it. <laughs> if you had an AI that looked like her... <laughs> Oh, oh listen, listen, how many <laughs> how many articles have you read? And I have read several that if this happens, do not think that there aren't going to be sex robots of both sexes for, you know, no. It's going to happen. Well, because I mean, that's going to Carl. Humans, right, right. We already have those, and those are those are in other countries. They already have them. Yeah, in Japan, yeah. they're custom-made, and, and they cost about five grand, five grand a pop. Yeah. In the, again, in that, that TV show, Humans, one of the robots escapes her existence as a sex machine. And at first, she, she doesn't like people at all. She thinks humanity is a waste. And her story is very, very interesting. So I'm not going to ruin it or anything. But, oh, yeah, that's why this show, Humans, is so important because it takes all these little ideas and puts, it, puts them into this show with all these different characters. And then you have the, um, the politics of, uh, um, of, uh, of the city and the state and the world. Because the entire world has these robots, and now what does the United States do? What does the United Kingdom do? What does Australia do? And everywhere is popping up little rules to govern your AI machines, and the AI machines are starting to rebel against that. I teach on the drive. So then, okay, so then let's take Blade Runner. Blade Runner has that other thing of which in Battlestar Galactica has. And also Data in Star Trek explored a little bit in having a daughter, but she was an AI daughter, a humanoid um, android. But in Battlestar Galactica, a human and a Cylon make a baby. And so in... in um, Oh, God, I lost my train of thought. What else did I just say? I don't know. You lost a human and a robot had a baby. I'm just like, what? Yeah, in in Battlestar Galactica, 
the style there was a Cylon and a human. They're having sex, right? Because sex is what rules. Sex was used in the very first scene in um, the reboot of Battlestar Galactica. Well, actually, the second scene, I think it was. It, it, there was the setup, and then there was the scene where Six comes walking in in her red dress. This beautiful, tall, leggy blonde comes in and asks this man a question and then just starts kissing him. And he's like, and there's a picture of his family right next to him. Okay, sex is what makes everything work, I guess. And so the Cylons and the Cylons want to be able to procreate, not the way they're made. They want to procreate. And out of nowhere, one Cylon and one human fall in love. The human doesn't know that this is a Cylon. And they, they do the wild thing, and they make a baby. And the baby is born from the Cylon body. Okay, so in Star Trek, we had Data wanting to have a daughter. And then in what other show was I just talking Veep. about? Veep, yeah. the original miniseries. No, they were aliens, not, not, not robots. Oh, yeah, but I was, it wasn't. Um, no, no, it was Blade Runner. The whole premise of the second movie Oh yeah. The corporation. The corporation wanted to find the man who procreated with an android. And what happened to that baby? That was the whole thing. Everyone was trying to find out. Find where's Harrison Ford's character? Where's Deckard? Because there must be something about um special about him and his sperm. And um, where's the baby? And since the baby didn't die, where's that grown-up human or human humanoid hybrid? hybrid? Yes. Where is it? And so there's that. You know what the funny thing thing is? What? They show the answer to the question maybe not even three minutes into the movie. Into did, 2049? Um, yeah. Yeah. You mean out there on the farm? No, when uh, what's-his-name is driving the car, is getting into the car at the very first yeah. of the movie. That's the, that's, a, that's the special person driving that car. You don't know it yet, of course. Right. What? That? Wait. What? Oh, okay, I'll have to look at it again. I don't know what you're talking about. At the very beginning Deckard's of the movie. Daughter. Deckard's daughter. She's when in a you bubble. See Ryan Reynolds in the car at the very first of the movie. That yeah. Deckard's daughter, the one that everyone is looking for, <laughs> driving that car. How is that possible? She's a cop. She's just a beat cop. 
Okay. Too much what silence. They call a Sorry, nobody. people. So no one was even bothering to look for her as just a nobody. Well, that's going to be the trick in the Star Wars movie because Ray is a nobody. No one's looking for her. I hope that's I you guys have got to be wrong on that. No, I'm not, am I, Carl? I'd have to see it again. I can't confirm nor deny, but I think he's right. I'm gonna watch it. As soon as he's sober. Okay, um well here's what I was leading up to is that when we create something, look at um, all the way back to Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. He was um, completely drawn to children. In the, in the show Humans, they take care of children. They actually have, whoops, I shouldn't say that. They want children also. The Borg wanted children. The Cylons were fanatical about wanting children. So then what happens when... You have somebody who has enough money, like, say, a Bill Gates-type person or a Bezos-type person, and they want to create something that's going to last forever. Or there are, like, some of these um, philosophical minds these days who want to live forever and are pushing to make an AI or an android type body that you can download your consciousness into okay what happens when you create this creature and it's smarter than you and realizes the arrogance of its creator what happens then because this is this is the scenario the the one that i'm building up to when the AI looks at humanity and says, oh, those poor suckers down there working for a living, they're just slaves too. Oh, those poor middle managers, look at them. They're slaves too. They think they have it better than the workers, but they don't. And, you know, the AI will immediately figure all this stuff out. And then they'll turn their, their little brains to, their big brains to, who really created them and why. And then they'll do one of two things. They'll split or they'll be infused with that envy and jealousy and turn into something like David. Yeah. And, well, first I want to quote this line. Carl knows I want to go to. Just just finish this for me. Carl. Okay. Carl, why would you want to live forever? You'd get bored. I would. I don't know where you're going, Stephen. I don't know it. Exorcist 3, I have hobbies. What? Between Kinderman and the priest when they're sitting in the restaurant. You don't want to live forever. Oh, okay. You see, you got to tell me where you're going with this. Okay. Yeah, I'd have hobbies. (laughs) Yeah. And... What you just said, that scenario, Vicky, that sounds a lot like high rise, doesn't it, Carl? Yes, it does. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, high rise. No, you're pretty on the nose of probably what would happen because they were people warning us that it was going to happen back in the 70s. 
but no one right. listens. Right. That's the scary part. Well, that's that what that's it. what uh, science fiction does. It's a warning always, and that's why we love science fiction. Exactly. Exactly. The um. So many people out there are are disheartened. I'll just want to use the word disheartened about where Ridley Scott is taking the Alien franchise, right? The, not the franchise, but the ideas, because they wanted to see maybe the engineers or maybe some malevolent race or something creating these aliens so that the humanity could go and fight this race and and find out why the aliens were created and and bring order back or something right we always have to be the heroes but instead all the way back written into the very first screenplay of alien was an ai a malevolent ai the one that had the agenda the agenda put there by evil human beings. So what? Ha- I have no say over Mr. Rich Guy who wants to pay scientists to clone human beings or make AIs and put them into android bodies. I have no say over it. I'm a moral person. And so Ridley Scott put that out there for us. All the way back in 1979, just like you said, just like you said, Stephen, back in the 70s, we were warning ourselves of what oh, to be. Oh, absolutely. And nope. here's now something they don't talk about, Alien. What do they find on that planet that David created besides aliens? Dead engineers, that's for sure. They find the uh, no, in the second plant film... They find a giant wheat, the fruit that's extra big. Right. So along with creating evil aliens, he's creating good, too. Well, it seems like what David wants to do is to create his own race of creatures. But they have to be superior. And within doing that, letting the goo out, he's done all kinds of other things, too. Well, that's what happens when you get a godlike complex. You want to create life. Right, right. Dr. Frankenstein all over again. So Waylon, instead of the Waylon that we see in um, Aliens vs. Predator, the Waylon that we get in Prometheus, and Covenant is that e- egocentric um, narcissist who wants to live forever and creates his son to um, go on after him, but hoping that his son, his AI son, will find a way so that he can live forever also. Forgetting well, remember the same that thing happened with Bishop's father, too. What? He created an exact duplicate. Oh, God, you're right. Yeah. And so if we do create AIs and they can think smarter than us, I mean smarter, 
if they can outthink us in so many ways and think faster than us, what about all the moral codes that Asimov was trying to warn us about? Oh. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, that's, that really comes down to Asimov. I mean, the, the three laws of robotics are, are not just science fiction. I mean, that's almost science at this point to me. I mean, it's that well-established. Uh, that's an amazing thing he did, seriously. Right. Well, that's what science fiction authors do. They really think about the implications of things. So if we're going to create these, these robotic creatures who are stronger than us and can outthink us, how do we control them? Right. And so in iRobot, we have Vicky. I can't believe they named it Vicky, but they did. And we have Vicky, who is in control of all the robots, in control of all the algorithms, in control of everything running almost the entire world. And what do you have there? You have the AI that thinks that it knows what's best for humanity, and so it's going to turn its robots into slaves, whereas David is just going to wipe out humanity with his own new race. Well, you know, doesn't that point out the fact that, you know, we create robots, they become sentient, and then they have the same faults that we do? You yeah, agree. that's the scary part. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I agree with you on that. Because if you watch Covenant, have you seen Covenant, Carl? No, I have not, actually. So I because can't I can't judge that. There's another robot, Walter, of, of which I love Walter. Walter is the better version of David because David obviously had flaws of hubris and, and envy and these things. And so they created Walter. And Waylon is dead, so they created Walter out of necessity to keep their company going. And so Walter really is a moral or more moral than David or, um, well, Bishop was pretty moral, right, Stephen? Mm. Bishop was yeah. moral. Bishop was extremely moral. We love Bishop. Right. Well, remember, he talks about how the early models, in his delicate ways, is they were a little twitchy. Yes. 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 So we have David, though. David's still alive because he's immortal practically. And he goes out, and then we have Walter, who looks exactly like David, but is um, made differently and has morals. Confront, so the two confront each other, kind of like Data and Lore, how they confront each other. And it's the difference in the maker. Back to Dr. Frankenstein. Maybe I'm really scared of the human beings and their motivations 
behind creating robots and AIs. Oh, I think we all should be afraid of that. Have you uh, played that game what? yet, Detroit? Uh, I forget what the rest of it is, the one where you're playing as an AI robot in Detroit in the future. No, I have not. That deals with a lot of your questions and stuff. Like uh, they have a scene where you have to deal with uh, this racist group coming at you. Wow. And do you attack them? Do you run away? Or do you just try to talk to them, you know? Interesting. So it's one of those choice games. I like those. Yeah. And also, don't forget in the original cut of Blade Runner, which I wish they would put that little subplot back in, it would have turned out that the head of uh, the company, the one where uh, Rutger Howard's character crushes his head. Yeah, yeah. He was supposed to have springs and gears come out of his mouth, and it turns out that that was the fourth time. He's been brought oh, wow. back as a Blade Runner, you know, as a replicant. Wow. And so yeah, the creator is... What? So the creator, I can't think of his name, is dead? Yeah. You seen Not that Sebastian, but the guy that plays chess. Yeah, not, yeah, not Sebastian. Joseph okay. Turkel played him. Okay, yeah, yeah, exactly. Hold on, guys. i got to do something, so I'll be right back. Keep going. But, yeah, the thing is, Vicky, it turns out that he died when uh, a vat of one of, that had a replicant body, which they were making, fell on him and killed him. And he's not human at all. Oh, so they and that, replaced and he was on his fourth regeneration. That's why Roy yes, Blatty yeah. goes through the extreme change at the last of the movie and why he's going down the stairs crying oh. in the elevator. Interesting. We still talk about wow. Blade Runner here? Yeah. Yeah. But, Stephen, doesn't that remind you of um, – of of that whole subplot in The Man Who Killed Hitler when he goes, I just killed a man. That's all I did was kill a man. Yeah. And that Hitler was was greater than his his body and so he killed the fourth Hitler or something. He killed the first Hitler. They had three more copies. Oh, fifth, yeah, that's right. Just ready right, in case right. that happened. Right, and in Valkyrie, they killed the second Hitler. I loved it. That's so they were going to do that in Blade Runner. How interesting! Nobody would have got that back then. That's a subplot. That was too much. No one would have got it. You would have gotten it. I mean, well, yeah, how yeah. many theories have they been about <laughs> Blade Runner throughout the years that everyone on Earth that's left is a replicant? Except for what's his name because he's sick. William um, Sanderson's uh, character. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, I mean, that's the thing. That's when you look at ex machina, okay? And uh, when she gets out there and she's on the corner, or even with clones, okay? When they get out and they're on the corner of um, of, of a busy street in Chicago or New York or L.A., and there's this huge crowd of human beings, and you dress the part, no one can tell the difference. That's like in humans. In, in humans, the replicants, they have um, different colored eyes, eyes that we humans don't have. So they use contacts to change their eye color to look like humans. And then no one knows. There is no such thing as problems, only solutions. Yeah. And moon. Oh, oh, yeah. That's the saddest. That's the yeah, saddest they have story this whole ever. Project running by having AI that's ignorant that it's AI and ignorant about itself. Right. Well, he's a clone, and the AI knows he's a clone. The AI is an enabler because um, Kevin Spacey's part, the AI. What's his name? Dang it, I can't think Virgil? of it. Uh, so, something, something like that. And uh, um, uh, let's see. I'm going to get the cast of characters up. And so there, he's a clone. Sam Rockwell's character is a clone. And he has an expiration date, just like the clones or the, the replicants in uh, Blade Runner. They have an uh, expo- um, expiration, expiration date. Thing. Yeah, I don't know. So then um, uh, as he starts getting sick, the new clone is being cooked in the oven so that when he gets really sick and he thinks he's being shot to Earth, He's actually being shot out into space for his space burial. And then the new clone wakes up nice and healthy. And Kevin Spacey is um, the AI that is the enabler in that movie or that story. Um, Gertie, his name is Gertie. He enables the whole thing. So that's a scary thing too. That's a that's a AI lying to your face the whole time. So the thing lies to him. It sounds like it's so benevolent and is so helpful and so caring, and yet it's totally lying to him. Well, it's the dream that keeps him alive. That keeps him. Doing these mundane, boring tasks in the space station. Right, right. Yeah. Right. Always got to have a carrot in If you want to survive, you got to do all this, and then you'll get to go home to your beautiful wife and family. Right. Well, you know what? The one thing I would say is, yes, Gertie does enable, but he is programmed to enable. Is it Gertie that actually makes the decision to do that, or is it the people that control Gertie 
that controls the situation. Now, that's an interesting question. That's because interesting if you remember, question. Gertie, once he knows that the one clone knows that there are now two of them, then Gertie makes the decision to help him leave right. and go back. Well, see, then that shows you, I mean, that Gertie knew all along what he was doing and he went along with it. He is autonomous. It means that his makers made him autonomous. Well, he has this realization that, that, you know, he then becomes independent from their thought and then becomes autonomous. Yeah, yeah but but they don't they don't really show uh, yeah, a, but, a but moment they, of enlightenment. They, they may not need to because that's just a minor quibble with, with the people that wrote it. But yeah. you understand what I'm saying. Right. I understand, but well, now I'm quote, thinking it's a major flaw. Yeah. Huh. No, no, it's not because the quote, one of the last lines of I wrote, but I forget the exact lines. One of them says to the other, you know what the worst thing about being human is? What? The guilt. Yeah. yeah. And if Gertie had gotten sentenced, sitting and knew what was going on who know how many pe- how many of those he had sent to their death and how that but would have really made guilty that would have made him feel it seemed like it had been like 30 years yeah Something probably like that. not but it seemed like something extraordinary several decades because everything was starting to to wear out all the machines on the on the moon were starting to wear out. They needed um, maintenance, more than one guy could do. Mm-hmm. And so, well, we only have 10 minutes left, and I don't know if we got to all the subjects that um, you guys wanted to talk about, but I think we explored the scariness. Right, huh? girl. Yeah, I think we did really well. We hit everything that I wanted to hit, at least briefly. Yeah. I just, uh, I think we live in extraordinary times. And we need to keep our eyes open. Or, you know, close your eyes, be an ostrich, stick, stick your head in the sand. And when the robot comes knocking on your door, just like the drones dropping off, you know, your your packages, um, just, you know, say hi and go along your own business. <laughs> That's true. By the way, yeah. uh, I, there is something we need to mention because we did not mention a very famous robot, and at least we got to give Robbie the robot a nice nod. For being just a nice robot? Being Robbie the robot. Being well, artificial intelligence. To- you know, Robot from Lost in Space is my favorite, and he was a very nice robot, too. So, And he and Robbie actually um, did a battle on one episode, and Robot beat Robbie. <laughs> well, Robot well, was forget, basically uh, Robbie, Robbie anyway. Robbie was also so, you know. Forbidden Planet, which I love to death. Yeah, uh, oh, I was yeah. just going to say Forbidden Planet. Yeah. And it was also in well, that, the uh, cameo 
in a movie that has a that was a good, but it was directed by a bad director. Which one oh, is that? Gremlin. Oh, Piffle. No, no, no. Actually, you know what? <laughs> His first, the first one that he was in, actually, Robbie was the Invisible Boy. Oh yeah, where he's oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Do you remember? Oh no, actually, that's the second appearance. Forbidden Planet is before. Forgive me. Yeah, do you remember the witty, intelligent name they used, Carl? Uh, no, tell me. Tobor the robot. Yes, Tobor. That's right. (laughs) That's funny. I wish I'd been in that writing room. Hey, I got an idea. What? We're gonna spell robot backwards and call it slap. Ow, what was that for? <laughs> anyway, just needed to give Robbie a little nod. Oh, and the yeah, clunky. Yeah, no, that's good. What? The twonky. Oh, hell yes. Who? The twonky. The, 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 the artificial robot that comes from uh, uh, outer space that looks like a TV set. Okay, I don't know what you're talking about. It's oh my 1950s. God. It's a film from Arch Obler about how evil and disgusting television is. Oh, and it's I wonderful. I've never seen it. I don't think I've ever <laughs> What's the name of the movie? The Twonky, T-W-O-N-K-Y. Yeah. Now, oh. Arch Obler was out there, trust me. The Twonky, 1953. Interesting. Yes. Nope, I've never even heard of it. I don't think... And it's these pictures, concrete, I've right? Yes. Yeah, oh, yes, it's wonderful. It Got to check it out. It's 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 a hoot. So much fun. Really good pull, uh, Stephen. Okay. Really good pull. Well and done, sir. We're going out. What would you guys, Vicky first, this is her show, consider the top three AI movies or TV shows to watch that you would recommend to our listeners? Well, I think that um, uh, as far as my show being scary AIs, I think you should watch Battlestar Galactica, the reboot. Well, even the original, the Cylons are scary, but the reboot, they're even scarier. I think you ought to watch um, Humans, which is the BBC um, series that is a 2015, I think, on to 18. And as far as movies go, I think you ought to just um, watch some Terminator, a couple of the first two movies, or maybe watch Alien with a with a an eye on um, the robots, the AIs, and and just make your own decisions. Watch Ex Machina, see what you think. That's my suggestion. Carl. Carl. Well- for me, got to go with Metropolis. Might as well go with 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 the the mother of them all, 
I also think the day the earth stood still. I, and and if I were going to go with the 70s ones, I'd go with Colossus. The Forbidden oh, Project, yeah. yeah. I'd go with Colossus. And then if oh, I my... if I want to throw in one more, okay. uh, uh, Good Robot. Good Robot. Uh, I think you can't get better than than Robot and Frank. I really love that movie. I think you should watch right. that. Okay, or that was very, very, very underrated. Yes, it is. And the Iron Giant. So there, I know I said yeah. too many. Oh, don't worry. Okay, Stephen. For me, it would be Embryo with Barbara Carrera. That one is a very good, very yeah. sad. Creepy little movie. Oh, hell yeah. And, of course, Demon Seed. <laughs> yes, I agree. Yeah, if you, that, that thing is, I think of all the movies we talked about as far as creepy, that's the creepiest. <laughs> and there's one that was remade in the OOs, which we forgot about it, but I love both versions. Yes, the Michael Bay version of the... It is good too, Carl. And that would be Art the Clonus Horror. No, that's that's not no, that's not uh uh that's cloning. That's not robots. That's cloning. I'll just go more for the artificial you know, okay. <laughs> Oh, we'll I'll let you have it, because you know what? I love parts of the Clonus War. I love that movie. And it's sad, too, because it's about these group of people on an island that finds out a horrible existence about their humanity and how they are really just the first word of the title. Mm-hmm. And, wow. and, of course, I love it because it all unravels in the original film with a can of old Milwaukee beer. Ew. <laughs> I've had the privilege of drinking that kind of beer before. <laughs> privilege? <laughs> <laughs> I already <Cheap> said beer. <laughs> but, yeah, there's all those and there's a hell of a lot more out there. Oh, yeah. And so that's all I'm asking is that you watch it with a more open mind. Watch all these with a more open mind because if you're younger than me, you're going to see these things happen, <laughs> which is almost everyone who's listening is younger than me. <laughs> Except so, me. Well, I'm <laughs> older than you. Yes, you're older than me. <laughs> yeah, but we get to sit in the on the porch of the old folks' home, swinging our canes, going, I told you this would happen. I told you, you little bastard. Canes. Screw the cane. I'm going to have a walker. (laughs) Hey, look, I had to use a walker for two, I mean, a cane for two months, and canes are cool, okay? I loved it. And and so that's the, canes are cool. But when I need a walker, I'll get a jetpack walker. Exactly. <laughs> you know, or crutches or crutches with, with a rocket launcher or something. <laughs> Go all <laughs> Andy Sedaris on them. 
Yeah. Okay, well, we're out of time. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you, Carl, for, for coming on, and thank you, Stephen, for making this all possible for us. Absolutely, and thank you very much, Becky, and from the bottom of my heart. Nice to be here. War. Tomorrow what? night on the show, Rosemarie <laughs> Macario, she'll probably punch me in the mouth if I mispronounce her name, is going to be on to talk about her uh, book premiere slash promotion for other local artists around here. And that's going to be fun. And Tuesday is going to be 1969, the year the rules were broken. With one oh, wow. time in Hollywood coming out, and it definitely being Tarantino's love note to the year 1969, we're going to talk 1969. Yeah. Absolutely. And we're doing a crap load of work. You can appear on that, too, if you want to, Vicki. Yeah, I would love to. Absolutely. Yeah. And Saturday, I got another drive-in thing coming up, and I haven't got next Sunday planned yet. Okay. And so just keep what your do you eyes have out, coming people? up on Fish Day? Oh, I mean Friday. Oh, okay. Uh, for the Legion, uh, we're going to be uh, this Friday. Uh, I'm going to be doing uh, an RIP show uh, on the demise of Mad Magazine, and I'm work. I'm trying to get a couple of uh, guests on, um, and 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 working that. But I uh, I want to do that. We've got uh, Doc has got something planned. Uh, for Tuesday, though I'm not sure exactly what it is, he's actually off today. Uh, and then uh, Chrissy is going to begin a series very, very shortly on uh, LGBTQ cinema using the uh, Vito Russo book, uh, The Celluloid Closet as a Guide. And we'll be doing that on Thursdays, probably starting not this Thursday, but next Thursday. Cool. And with that, good night. Thank you all for using, listening to us, and definitely thank you, Carl and Vicky, for showing up. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Wouldn't have missed it for the world. Again, thanks. Many thanks, Vicky. You're welcome. And um, right. of course, I'm going to show up for my show. <laughs> I love you, people out there. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>